If you've got your Bibles, I'd love with you to turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Church leader Paul writing to the church in Corinth. It's good. Fantastic. Again, welcome if you're a guest with us here today. We're so excited to have you and uh, we're in for a great morning. In fact, we're having a good morning already, right? Uh, my folks are going to be back next week and uh, so they just des- decide to stay in Victoria for the weekend and uh, what an honor that they would trust me, their son, to be here speaking today. So it's an absolute honor. This morning, the title of the message is The High Life Part 2. Who believes that this faith, this life we have in Jesus Christ, is the best life that we could live? Who believes this life we have in Jesus is the best life that we could live? (laughs) That's awesome. And uh, I believe that it's God who meets us in our usness, if that's a word, and brings us to a higher way. The Bible says that God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts, that His ways are higher than our ways. And so when God, we allow, we open up our hearts and lives to God through Jesus Christ, He brings us to a higher way. And so today we're talking about the high life and we're speaking specifically today about how to go, grab a hold of God's dream for your life in every age and every stage. Have you ever thought about, this is a week that's never been lived before? Brand new. It's a shock for some people. Wow. Brand new week. And I believe God has already thought about tomorrow before tomorrow has existed. Here's a plan. Here's a purpose. Here's a will. And what we need to do is we need to get our lives and say, God, what is your purpose? What is your plan for me tomorrow? And how do I grab a hold of that? But he's thought about your 30s. He's thought about your 50s. He's thought about your 40s. He's thought about your hundreds. God has a plan. In 2 Corinthians, it's a great scripture here. And it's so exciting. It says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, Now the Lord is the Spirit. Now the Lord is the Spirit. What's so fantastic about God is that He can meet us at any place at any time. It's pretty amazing. Uh, right now, we're here in Cairns, Australia, but there's people who, who know living right now in Malaysia, in Singapore, in Sri Lanka, in Canada. They might be asleep. But who knows that we can pray and God can meet us here and now. He can hear our prayers, but He can also hear those people at the very same time. And though we cannot see God, He can be very, very close. One thing that I've discovered about, about God is that He has no problems with personal space. This is a scary thought for some people, but did you know that God created sex? God has no problems with personal space. That's that's going to rock you. That's a weird thought. But, But God loves to be close to us. He's a spirit. He's a spirit. Now, the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. One translation says, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, where God is, there is freedom. We could stop right now, right here, and just have a moment and have a huge party and a celebration. The fact that wherever God is, there is freedom. That's amazing. 
I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but God is God. So God can choose his character. God could choose to be extremely moody. He could choose to be really loving one day and really not like you the next. You're irritating me. But God's not like that. He's committed to his character. He's committed to be who he said he would be. He's faithful. And just to stop for a moment and think, God could be however God wanted to be, but who's thankful today that God is good? That God is gracious? That God is merciful? That God is faithful? That God loves you? That God has a plan for you? And that God, wherever he goes, wants to bring freedom? Wants to bring liberty? Not bondage? Not fear? Not anxiety? Wherever God goes... He wants to set people free. It's who He is. It's what He does. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. I don't know about you, but sometimes uh, I know some people and they are good with food. And wherever they are, there is good cooking. I know some people who have a tremendous sense of humor. Wherever they are, it's a fun time. But wherever God is, there's freedom. And there's liberty. And this morning, I want to encourage some people because one of the things that can be anxious for, can cause anxiety for some people is a fear of hereditary health challenges. This is always run in my family. That's always run in my family. And I believe you need to use wisdom. Make sure you see your doctors and all of those sort of things. But I believe we serve a God who has the power to set people free from hereditary health issues. He is a miraculous working God. He really is. And I believe there's people here today, and one of the things that God wants to encourage you is just because it's happened to your mom, just because it's happened to your father, just because it happened to your grandparent does not mean that it has to continue with you. And there's people here today who need to grow out of that. The Alzheimer's can stop with you. Diabetes can stop with you. These things that can cause people to be worried and anxious and afraid, maybe it will happen to me. Come on, we serve a powerful God. And wherever He is, there is freedom. Wherever He is, there's freedom. And today, I just want to pray for a moment. Father, we break anxiety right now in the name of Jesus Christ. People worried and concerned and fears got around their lives that maybe it'll happen to me. In the name of Jesus Christ today, we believe for miraculous power to flood through this place, God. Wherever you are, there is freedom. So God, come right now in this meeting. Come right now in this moment and bring your freedom to people's lives in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, right now, we believe. We believe. And I want to encourage you, make sure you see health professionals. But come on, let's stand in a church as agreement. That come on, our famous family legacy. Ever since Polycarp was born, that's never happened again in our family. Why not? Because he was a believer. <laughs> and something changed. Or when Julie believed for that, something shifted and so powerful. You know, sometimes people can say, oh, that's always running my family. We've always been big drinkers. We've always been big gamblers. Come on, it can stop with you. Come on, that is addictions can be broken in Jesus' name. Because wherever God is, He wants to bring freedom to people's lives. And you need to believe that and grab a hold of that and walk in that and stand and believe for that. You know, very soon, 
Year 12s will be graduating high school and for some people never going back to school, high school. It's a big, big time of life. And uh, for many of them, they're in the intense zone right now. They've done the QCS. They're doing the block exams and assignments and all of those sort of things. They'll have two weeks of holidays, which often you're still doing homework. And then term four is a really fun term because you've still got study to do, but you've got formals, you've got graduations, just the nostalgic moment that this is my last term at school ever. (laughs) (laughs) But one of the things that can happen to year 12s, having worked with teenagers for a long time, is that there's this gap between graduation and the new year. Some people are planning to go into a trade, some people are planning to work, some people are planning to study, have all different plans. And one of the things that the world sometimes can shout really loud is in this gap, in this moment, this is your opportunity to go wild. This is it. If you want to try drugs, now's the moment. If you want to get crazy drunk, now's the moment. If you want to have a bunch of one-night stands, now's the moment. Because next year you can get serious about your life. But right here is the gap, the experiential gap. But I know if I handed the mic around today, there's a whole bunch of people here that could tell me about the pain of drugs in their life about the pain that alcoholism's caused in their families, about the pain of those one-night stands and the, the results of that. And so the world sometimes would preach young people that that is freedom, but it's a lie. It's a lie because everyone knows that the pathway of that path just leads to more bondage, more slavery, more guilt, more shame, more control. But even if you've been down that path, there's hope today. Because Jesus, in his goodness, has come to set us free. Break those chains and give us a brand new start. The Bible says it's called being born again. But for everyone who's been down that path, if I gave you the mic today, I can imagine you plead with young people, don't make the same choices that I did. And I'll encourage you young people as your friends get around you and they message you and say, come to this and go to this and let's create mischief and let's party and let's get wild. Remember, true freedom looks different to that. True freedom looks different to that. Hold your ground, hold your reputation, grab a hold of your future and be a light to your friends. Someone that needed to hear that today. And in him, we find true freedom. One of the things that I like to do is travel. Anyone with me? (laughs) And traveling's great. Just recently, we have a great couple in our church, Phil and Esther, and they have a farm up on the tablelands. And I like going to the country. Anyone with me? It's nice. And I took uh, some of our new Christians up. We went up to the farm. We got there. I was like, what are we going to do today? Nothing. And we just sat down in these chairs. And I looked at them because they were kind of new friends of mine. And I said, are you guys all right to just do nothing today? And they're like, we love it. (laughs) 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 And uh, we motorbike red, ate food, and just talked for hours and got crazy sunburned. (laughs) But one of the other ways I like to travel is to go to urban cities. Anyone with me? And one of the cool things about going to cities is the food. 
And uh, just this weekend, I was in Melbourne, and there is this Malaysian restaurant. And I, I think I could eat there every night of the entire week. The food is that good. Nazi Lamak, anyone who knows what that is. And uh, it is delicious. Another part is the shopping. And uh, yesterday at 9 a.m., I was sneaker shopping. And so seeing all the shops and cool shoes. And, uh, you know, sometimes you can spend a week in an urban city and you can grab a hold of the food and the clothes and the experiences. But I've done that a couple of times in my life and it's important to relax. And, you know, I'm not saying it's bad if you go to a city. But you can think that all these things will satisfy you but you can spend all this money, have all this cool stuff, and have eaten all this delicious food, but kind of at the end of the week still feel empty. And you're hungering for a new experience, you're hungering for something new, but it's just just not filling the moment. But then you stand in your hotel room, and you say, God, I want to be close to you. I open up my heart to you. I open up my life to you. Come. The Bible says that if we draw near like this to God, He will draw near to us. All of a sudden, you're standing in the kitchen and you feel God. And you feel His freedom. And you think, this is so much better than skydiving. This is so much better than new shoes. This is satisfying me. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Is there anyone who's thankful for Jesus' freedom in their life? I sure am. Verse 18, but we all with unveiled face, our eyes have been opened. We get it. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. We are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Some people, before they came to Jesus, their life went from problem to problem, from anxiety to anxiety. But when we come to Jesus, he wants to take us from glory to glory. One translation says, from strength to strength. And that doesn't mean there won't be pressure on the outside, but intrinsically, God's doing something way bigger than you could ever imagine. It's pretty cool. And so, we don't want this to be the best kept secret in cans. Anyone with me? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is being freedom, and He's transforming us into His image from glory to glory. We want our children to know about this. We want our grandchildren to know about this. We want our university friends to know about this. We want our work colleagues to know about this. We're not some part of some marketing plan. It's just the fact that Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to us, and we want every single person to know. We want everyone to know. And so it begins this journey of how do I train up my children in the ways of God? This is what Pastor Stuart was talking about last week. How do I teach them? How do I impart? How do I experience, help them to experience the freedom and the transformation and the glory to glory experience that I'm having in their lives? And that's where the Bible becomes really helpful. And this month we're talking about Proverbs, which is a book in the Old Testament before Jesus. But what you have is a dad named David who loves a son named Solomon. And David wants what God's done in in David's life to be carried over to Solomon's life. It's a beautiful picture. 
I have here, this is my preaching Bible, but this is my study Bible for home. And uh, I was reading it on the plane this week, and I would encourage you to read Proverbs as we're focusing on Proverbs this month. Uh, I think I had about two hours, and I got through like 13 chapters. So it's 30 chapters in the book. You can do it. And uh, it's so cool because I don't know if they even knew that this would happen. But there's a book in the Bible called Proverbs, but the one before it is a book called Psalms. And Psalms is predominantly written by David, and what they are is songs and poems. And the book after is Proverbs. I can imagine if David was here today. What a cool thought. I wrote a book that went in the Bible, and my son wrote the book after me that went in the Bible. It's a pretty cool thought. Psalms, Proverbs. <laughs> and then Solomon gets Ecclesiastes, so he gets two. <laughs> but what an amazing thought. And Proverbs is such an interesting book because really what it is, is it's a dad giving instruction and giving wisdom, but it's a son who's wise enough to not ignore it, to not negate it, but to grab a hold of it. And it's the combination of the two that produce something powerful. And I want to encourage us today, men and women, let's make sure that we're giving out to the next generation. Let's make sure that we're more than boiled lollies and good times. Let's make sure that we're investing something of truth and life and substance to young people today. But come on, every young person, this is what I encourage you today. Let's make sure that we grab a hold of it. Let's make sure that we grab a hold of this wisdom. And here in this book of Proverbs, this proverb after proverb, and they're highly re repetitious. They just go over almost saying the same things in different ways. But what they are is they're letters from a dad to a son going, son, you need to know this. Son, you need to grab a hold of this. And a son who was wise enough to either write them down or get someone else at the time to write them down so that he would never forget it. And then a son who was so generous that said, what my dad has taught me is so good that I don't want to keep it to myself, but I want our whole community community to know about it. And so what you have here is so personal and so real and so alive. And I love as you read this because dads, it's a great example of how we can train up young people in the way that they should go, how we can impart wisdom. And maybe you're here today and maybe you're not a dad like me right now. But who knows that we're a part of a greater family. It's called the local church. And there's a whole bunch of people who need your input, your wisdom, your advice, what you can bring, what you've learned from life. And Pastor Stuart last week, I love this, he talked about the different stages of life based on Hebrew words. And this morning, I just want to bring it up again because I found it so helpful. And I love this because David, through the book of Proverbs, identifies these different stages of life and then helps his son to navigate them. So here you've got here the 0 to 13 stage, which is the creative stage. And it's a stage where you're identifying your gifts and your talents. It's a season of acceptance and development or a season of confusion and missed opportunity, the creation stage. 0 to 20, what you're investing, what you're imparting into your life. One of the things that my dad always taught me when I was in this stage was to take responsibility for your actions. When I was about 10 years old, I ate a banana. And I decided that the bin was too far for me to walk. So I put the banana peel under the couch. Great solution, convenient, easy. It worked until three days later when it stank and my dad found it. And we had a family conference 
with all four of us. And we all knew that mum didn't do it. So it was Julia or I. And then the decision comes as a brother. Do I get her to take the blame for it? Or do I take responsibility? But my parents taught me that it'll always go better for you if you own up than if you hide it and you get caught. And so I learned that if I had made a mistake, you own up to the mistake. You say, it was me. I take responsibility. I messed it up. Let's move forward. Who knows those are invaluable lessons for your life? They're so important. So you go through this creation stage. The next stage is the phallic stage, which in the Hebrew word is the zakah stage, 13 to 25. And it's a time of sexual energy. And it's a time where with your sexuality, whether you either learn to master it and put it under principle, or you become enslaved by poor sexual choices. Interesting. And when you read the book of Proverbs, I, I just find it such an interesting book because one of the, in nearly every chapter, not everyone, but in so many chapters, guess what the conversation is about? Girls. Because David is writing to a 20-year-old. <laughs> and he talks to him about what a healthy relationship looks like. He talks to him about what healthy sexuality looks like, but he also warns him of poor choices he could make in this time and how to navigate through that well. Smart dad. (laughs) But how to navigate through that well, and it's so important, and so to have people around your life that can coach you and work with you through that. The next one is the 25 to 40, the warrior stage, which is a time in life where you have a drive to establish oneself. You have life in the fight. Your goal is to win. It's a hard work stage. The next one, we talked about it last week, is the wounded stage. And it's a time of powerful reevaluations. It's a time of renewal or rut. It's a time where you go from being a warrior and you work so hard and you push so hard and you went for it. Was it all worth it? Did I really get where I wanted to go? And we learned this in men's university, and a lot of men in this stage can park there. And drugs and alcohol and Harleys help. No, they don't. But it's a powerful time where you begin to evaluate, was it all worth it? You renew yourself, you learn, and then you can move into this next stage of being a mature person which is a time of deep meaning and strategic moves and mentoring. It's when you're going from just being about success to significance. Really cool. And then the last one is the sage stage, which is where you become a standard bearer. You focus on special contributions and leaving a legacy. And it's so important that you and I, and I know we talked about this last week as well, but it's so important that you and I evaluate these stages because otherwise we can get stuck in one of them. The phallic stage, if a young man doesn't learn to move through this stage, at high school he's the Casanova, but when he's 60 he's the dirty old man. You get stuck in the wounded stage, mature stage, and so we learn from these so that we can keep moving forward and grabbing hold of God's dream 
and his purpose for us in every stage. And I love Proverbs because at times there's so much wisdom in Proverbs that maybe, as David gave them, maybe they were relevant to Solomon. Or maybe Solomon just went, oh, that's just another point that my dad's bringing, just another thought. But maybe it was for a later stage in life. My sister helped with the eulogy at my grandmother's funeral this week. One of the things she was thankful to grandma for was teaching her to be a classy woman. And when Julia was 14 or 15, it was grandma saying, this is how you act, this is how you carry yourself. And at the time, I know for Julia, it was like, (laughs) but now she is so thankful for the investment in her life. And as we wrap up today, I would just say to every young person, let's grab a hold of the wisdom that's on offer. Maybe there's a mom or a dad or a grandparent or a wise person in church community that you can draw from. Or hey, just even start with reading the book of Proverbs so that you can impart something special, something beautiful for generations that are to come.